You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Network. It's 2 p.m. in Memphis. Giannato and Jeffrey time. Get off the fence. Live on Memphis's sports station. 92.9 FM ESPN. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Giannato and Jeffrey Show. My name is Jeffrey Wright. You can follow me on Twitter at jwright929ESPN. Dennis Fuller's producing the program for us. We're glad that he's with us. Sitting across from me is Mark Giannato. Mark, good day. Jeffrey, you sound broken. You sound broken. Do you want the up-to-minute forecast? For Memphis, Tennessee right now, at least for uh, here at the uh, headquarters of 92.9 FM ESPN. Not really. No, because well, it's not good. It's not like you're going to come in. It's rainbows and sunshine. It is not. It is, yeah, it, no it is a deluge of rain outside. Yeah, for those that don't know, in I, the station, you can tell when the station has lost power and our generators kicked in. And feel- as someone who has not had power... Since Tuesday mm. at 6 p.m. Mm. And may or may not have had his wife have a full mental breakdown last night at about 3 a.m. Oh, boy. And he himself has reached the breaking point. We're in the weeds. Yeah. No, not great. Oh, boy. Um, I've had, I haven't had water or, like, water I'm supposed to use for a little while. But well, yeah, yeah, it's I not was... in comparison. It doesn't compare. Well, no. I got involved in that situation, too, because we had to go to my parents' house. They live in Germantown. Same thing. Yeah. It's it's rough right now, and I I don't think what the doctor ordered was another storm potentially causing uh, 70 or 80 mile-per-hour winds. Hope you're safe out there if you're driving around listening to us, if you're looking out the window and dreading going to your car in the near future. Um, be safe, um, and hopefully uh, – Hopefully we'll all get through this. Hopefully hopefully this is the last one. Hopefully. Maybe. For at least a little while. Because I, I even feel for like the MLG and W people, the people who have the to workers. work. The workers. The execs, you're on the list. Oh, my God. All you decision makers, you're on the list. The linemen and women. Correct. The people, the the people, people pulling out long there, hours. The people that are out there just going through it, you're heroes. The people that are paying you, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully uh well, here's the good news, Jeffrey. Since you don't have power, you can't lose it. If we if we're looking on the bright side of things. In this No, it's it, I I'm telling you, I'm I'm telling you this is even worse. <laughs> Aaliyah got the notification that power had been restored. Mm. But also when power gets restored, our alarm kicks back on and she gets the notification there. 
That never happened. Mm. So we're pretty convinced that what happened was our area's power was restored. Because we're on this little pocket, it didn't get restored. Well, that, exactly, though. So if it didn't get restored, you can't lose it again. It's already lost. All you can do is gain electricity at this point. Look at the Spoke, bright side. Spoken like a man that hasn't lost power this week. <laughs> spoken like a man that has not lost power really during any of these storms. Well, it's fright. We did lose power. I just wasn't here for it. Again. We got. We were very fortunate. So did it even happen? We don't have what we don't have water right now. We can't use the water we have. Excuse me, I should say. Okay, go to Costco, buy the forty-eight pack. Yeah, we went, we got some bottled water. We're, we're all set to go, um, and hopefully, hopefully, everyone will get through this uh, with as few disruptions as possible. I know it's been disruptive for a lot of people, including Jeffrey. Um, but hopefully, when we get to Monday, we are not talking about this still. Hopefully, maybe maybe we'll have a peaceful weekend weather-wise. And we can get all these things sorted out um, because it is Friday. And typically what we do on this show is we talk about, you know, we discuss maybe what are we going to be talking about coming out of the weekend. Um, So we'll do that today. Um, And again, fingers crossed. Hopefully we are. uh, Well, thank you for crossing your fingers for me. That makes me feel a lot better. (laughs) Well, fingers crossed. Like, come on, like, you know, like you're in prayer a little bit. Again, spoken like a man with power. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. I feel for you. Um, but we got a lot to talk to. George Klyavkov, first public comments for the Pac-12 commissioner. I didn't believe this when I read it, but it must. It was written. It must be true. It's on the internet. First public comment since December today at Pac-12 Media Days. Um, so we'll dive into that here in a second, as well as uh, Tiger, little Tiger football. Um, and Jeffrey, it was it was a. If you're a Commanders fan like me, it was it's been a it's been a whirlwind of a 24 hours or so. It's been fantastic, unlike anything I've experienced in my Commanders fan fanhood. Uh, so we'll we'll dive into that. Blake Topmeyer will join us. He's the SEC columnist for the USA Today Network. We've got uh, our SEC preseason picks in now, Jeffrey. I believe do they typically announce them after SEC media yeah, days? Yeah, typically are over? you vote. So typically you vote yesterday, like you'll vote, you'll turn in your ballot yesterday. It's done old school style. You gotta, you gotta listen to what everyone yeah. says at media days before you can make you a turn case, in, you turn before you your, can make a, a legitimate vote. You turn in the ballot on Thursday and then they announce it on Friday. Okay. Well, uh, you'll be stunned who was picked to win the SEC this year. Well, Vandy got some love. Mm. Okay. Well, we'll dive into that with Blake Topmeyer as well as his thoughts on his takeaways from SEC Media Days over in Nashville. We'll get into the list next hour. The Open Championship going on in Liverpool. Jeffrey, I believe, is watching it right now as we as I speak. Um, who's leading? Brian Harmon? Brian Harmon shot 10 under, and I believe... Okay, Scotty Scheffler makes it in on the number. That's the first good news that I've had. Okay. I now have an opportunity for all five of my pool picks to make it. Well, we'll get you completely up to date with the Open Championship next hour. Maybe talk a little Otani uh, as well, and then uh, we'll get you uh, ready for the games of the weekend. I, I'm, I'm very intrigued. This is that tonight. I believe we are going to get the American debut of Lionel Messi. Allegedly, I think they haven't guaranteed it. But is the, he playing on? Is it, is is he playing on grass? Yeah, it's in Miami. It's a it's a friendly against a. It's actually like a tougher game. Then if he was playing an MLS team, they're playing like a good Mexican club team in a friendly are, tonight. Or MLS, or no, it's like it's not a friendly. It's like one of those professional cup games. You know, like or something MLS. Like that. Do do we say with MLS? Do we say game or match? 
match, game, whatever. But uh, he might play in the second half tonight, it sounds like. Uh, might might get a half in from Messi in Miami. So it's a home game. He's going to play. You know, there's been too much excitement. Um, sounds like as long as it's on grass, he plays. Yeah. That so seems we'll, to be. We'll, we'll get into it next hour as well. So lots to get to heading into the weekend. But I wanted to start, Jeffrey, with Pac-12 Media Day. It was the star of the show today. First time in a while it felt like Pac-12 Media Day was like a big thing. Right? Wouldn't you agree? Uh. I think it's fair to say not because the Pac-12 is no, like no, better. I think, than, I think it was fair to say in terms of media day anticipation, it had the highest anticipation. Yes, because of this TV deal that they may or may not have an agreement, uh, an agreement on. Uh, I can safely say after today, they don't have a deal. <laughs> um, but also, again, if it's true that he hasn't amidst all this speculation about the Pac-12 and he hasn't spoken publicly since December, George Klyavkov, the the commish, uh, this was a big moment for him. And uh, I was, I came away, I was like, eh, I thought his comments were pretty good. Like, pretty okay, measured. So we had very different interpretations. So now, you, I didn't watch it. I just read what he said. Okay. Now, maybe if I watched it, I'd feel differently, perhaps. Um, here, Here's what he said in part. Our schools are committed to each other into the Pac-12. We'll get our media rights deal done. We'll announce the deal. I think the realignment that's going on in college athletics will come to an end for this cycle. The truth is we've got bigger fish to fry. There are incredible opportunities and also challenges in front of college athletics, and I need to be able to work with all my colleagues in Division One, and particularly in the A5, and we'll do that. We'll move past all A5, the— A5, is that, that when they're now going, the autonomous, autonomous five. five? Yeah. We'll move past all Yuck. the bitter squabbling Yuck. of the last year, and we'll work together to make college athletics better— uh, he went on when someone asked, you know, does that mean, you know, the deal is done? You just aren't announcing it today. He said this uh, in conjunction with what Jeffrey was saying earlier. Getting the right deal has always been more important to our board and the conference has always been more important. Getting the right deal has always been more important to our board and the conference um, than getting the expeditious one. Uh, mm. <laughs> um Yes. So, I will tell you what we've seen Mark, is that the Mark, longer we wait for Mark, our media deal, it's not the better being, our options get. It's not about being first, Mark. It's about being right. We don't need the first deal. We need the right deal. I think our board realizes that there's an underlying shift in the media market that's happening. We're long-term taking advantage of that, but short-term, it may have provided some hiccups. <laughs> he also included in there— I kind of liked it. He also included in there there was a line about— Listen, Mark, we're right on schedule to get the media this deal is what, done yes. when it was supposed to be done. Yes. He basically said, you're the ones that changed the timeline. Yes. Even though they changed the timeline yeah, yes. by leaking the timeline 38 different times. Yes. But there was a couple other comments, though, that really I took note of. The biggest line that he had today, I thought, was he essentially declared conference realignment over Yes. For now. Mm-hmm. And the first yes. thing I the, would... The comment in that beginning was, um, I think the realignment that's going on in college athletics will come to an end for this cycle. It's over! I declare it and this! And this, this would be what I would say to that. He had better be right. <laughs> you think that'll get thrown back in his face? Uh, Mark, do you remember when President George W. Bush announced mission accomplished on the aircraft carrier? Before, like, you know, uh, before the war in Iraq. Uh, 
you had better be right. Because if he's not right, that is going to be like the beginning of whatever the documentary that is the documents the end of the Pac-12. The opening scene will be George Klyavkov saying, this is the end of conference realignment. <laughs> and that yep. will get played on repeat over and over and over. Also, the other thing that struck me today, I got whiffs of... I got whiffs of Adam Silver saying, I'm not going to, I don't want to talk about John Morant's suspension. And then he would continue to talk about it. Mm-hmm. That was what he did with the media deal. Like, gotcha. It was I, a lot we're of We're here that. to talk about football. But listen, this is actually the timeline that we proposed initially. Right. And here's also why you're all here. We're here to focus on the football. Yeah, this is about football. Mm-hmm. Um, here's why I, and this might be, as I think about it more and more, like just confirmation bias on my part. And that I do think the way he's thinking about this is the way I suspect I've suspected all along it's gonna end wind up. Remember, I told you from the get go, my gut was telling stay, me stay pat. everyone was gonna end up standing pat this summer. You know, I don't know about long term. Like I don't know if I'd be like him and declare like this cycle is over. No one's switching teams for a while. Well, particularly like he's, like he's declaring. But I, I suspected that when push came to shove, the Pac twelve schools would stay in the Pac twelve and then the Big Twelve would decide and you know what? If we're not adding any of the Pac-12 teams, we'll stand pat for now. And and it will. It's like almost like in poker when you're you know like you're just sta- just you're, check just checking it. Yeah. You're just checking the thing. You're not you're checking not out of table. you're not out of the hand. hand. Realignment let's, of this cycle is not how, over. Let's see how you're gonna bet. This yeah, one. it's it's not over. But we're gonna check for this fall. Okay, but the- that's how I've seen it playing out. And Klyavkov's comments to me, th- I think he's thinking that way too. But I can see where you're coming from. Where if Oh, three weeks from now or a month or two from now, Colorado like Colorado leaves the Pac twelve. I don't even think has, I don't even think it has to be that far from now. This would be the first the first question I have. Is the media deal going to include a grant of rights? Well, they said they're gonna sign that they get they get the media deal. Remember, they've agreed to the wording of the grant of rights, but people haven't agreed to sign and not everyone right. has agreed to sign the grant of rights. Until now, they've said basically, we want to see the media deal before we sign this grant grant uh, grant of rights. Right, and my question is, well, it depends. If the I think if the deal is in the name, if they can say, like, but if you're Oregon or Washington, and it's possible that you're going to have bidders, why would you sign that? Why would you sign a long term thing that locks you in? If it's a five year grant of rights, because that's what I think it is. Because I, I thought they were saying seven. Was it seven? I mean, whatever. At the same point to your, but I mean. Why would you sign that? If you're if you're worried about if you're Oregon and Washington, I just don't know if you can count on the Big Ten coming up and poaching you if you're Washington and Oregon. The Big Ten does not seem no, I think, in I think, a rush to add well, more teams. They might eventually. We're in the exact same spot that we were when USC and UCLA got taken. If they wanted Oregon and Washington, there was nothing at that point in time stopping them from taking them both. Yeah. Um. I mean, the, the, the I think you just like it because it was good quotes, and you could have you could have gotten on the keyboard and hammered something out. No, I told you it might be confirmation bias because I think he's thinking the same way I am, and it, if he's right, means I'm right too. Yeah, I guess for me, though, I, I I see where you're coming from as you dissect these quotes and you go, "Man, you really should have thought about cut. You really should have like whatever the deadline was, whatever the timeline is." You really should have thought this through and, like, we need to have this hammered out by the time I get up to that podium at media day. I find this hard to believe. 
when you consider that Media Day is typically your opportunity to tell your story, like mm-hmm. Media Day's basically the the whole premise of don't tell these story, tell your story. Yeah. I find it extremely unlikely that he didn't want to have the deal done by now. Because this is usually when everyone does their rollout. Mm-hmm. You get it's your day. Everyone's like all the media's there. Well, now you've opened it up. Like I get, if I flip over to that uh, for you section of Twitter, mm. like I got a random one today that said, you know, he's like he he said at his press conference that like you know we found the longer we wait, the new the new bidders yes. are in or whatever. Yeah, yeah. The, no, the, the longer we wait, the better the deal will get. The better, the more bidders, whatever. And someone like tweeted that like hearing that Ion has entered the fray. Yes, <laughs> like you know, and like I, you know, I know it's not true, but it's just funny. You know what I mean? Like. It's just like, you know, free form <laughs> has entered the picture. Well, like it's just think about it this way. You know who didn't wait till the 11th hour to hammer out their TV deals? The SEC. <laughs> you know who else didn't? The Big Ten. The TV guide channels making a play. They, they you, know people aren't going to them for the guide it, anymore. They need to diversify. They're going to go. They're going to add some Pac-12 football. You, you know, you know who? Didn't have to wait the 11th hour to get a great TV deal. In fact, the TV network's been over for them. The NFL. Like, this idea, first off. Did you see what the NBC's did to the Breeders' Classic because of Big Ten? Like, the night, Breeders' Big Cup, Ten, you mean? The Breeders' Cup, excuse yeah. me. They're making, the Breeders' Cup has always been the last yeah. race of the day. Yeah. The, the NBC's like, no, no, that's going to be too late for the start of Big Ten football. Moving it to the cock? Now, no, now it's. It has to be the instead of the eighth race, it's the sixth uh, they're race. They're moving it up in the like, clown, like, yeah. and like horse racing junkies are, are up nuts. in arms. Yes, like this is tradition. It's always the last race, and NBC's like, yeah, but but Purdue, Michigan State's on. <laughs> now that believes an opportunity, though. People don't realize this. After the Kentucky Derby, there's another race. That is what is often referred yeah. to as same with the same with the Preakness. Yeah, the most of, most of them. Those are the true degenerate specials. Yeah. Everyone else files out, yeah. and then that's when you see the real heroes out there. <laughs> the heroes that are sitting there still scouring through their papers trying to find a winner. Those are the real people. Now you get two races for that. Like, congratulations, <laughs> Breeders' Cup attendees. You're welcome. The people who are up in yeah. arms are going to realize when they get there next year. They're gonna. <laughs> the other thing, though, that I love about this argument is only does running up against the clock it only benefits in a negotiation one side. And that side is the side that has the leverage. How on earth does the Pac-12 have leverage here? Because the entire time, the reason why this thing has gone on is because they can't find enough bidders. So they... What let's happens, say, let's say what happens deal, in that situation, though, is they're going to go up against the 11th hour and they're going to make concessions to get a deal done. Let's say the deal is... So right now... I think the Big Ten, Big Twelve is like thirty-one million distribute something like that, and yes. like ACC is like thirty million. I think something like that. Let's say the Pac-12 deal is they get the ESPN keeps the ESPN after dark game, and you get like a Friday night primetime slot on ESPN on Ion on ESPN. Okay, what are they putting on MeTV? They're putting just like other game, like and then well, no, they're gonna have a streaming package. Yeah, there we go. Um, and it's so, gonna. By the way, so they say. Yes, let's say it's a streaming package, and then a couple games a week on ESPN, and they get because they're they're the streaming company is paying a premium because they're 
you know, essentially really sacrificing audience by going to streaming more than likely. Well, in fairness to them, they're probably not sacrificing audience because all their games have been on the Pac-12 network, which no one has. They might yeah. actually open it but up. But basically, like, those Pac-12 network games would go to streaming, essentially. Mm-hmm. And let's say they're getting 26 or $27 million. So a little less than the Big 12 and ACC. Would that be enough to, like, because that's what I think we're going to end up at is my gut feeling here. They're not going to get as much as those two, but it's not going to be that much less than those two. Yeah, but you have to do the math on this one. Okay, it's it's seven but million. It's, it'll, it'll be a lot less, a lot less uh, exposure probably than the other. But those then two on weeks. top of that, like you compound it. We're not talking about just you know a little bit less. Like over the course of the contract, it becomes fifty million dollars per school less. If I'm Colorado, mm-hmm. why am, am I not listening? Like, oh, you, you don't think the Pac-12's deal will accelerate like that, too? Whatever deal they sign? I mean, you don't know. What deal? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How? Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Klyav, you're right. Klyavkov, there, there is a very real scenario here. If this deal is not decent, he's gonna get. He's gonna have real egg on his face. My suspicion is he is not dumb. This mm-hmm. is a man that has worked in television for a very long time. I, Mark, I think he's like running out the clock. And I think he knows as long as it, they run it out, it buys him even more. As long as like you can get to August, no one's going to jump ship at that point. Mm-hmm. So it almost feels like this is like a stall tactic. Mm. Interesting. Now, is he stalling to try to keep the schools? Is he stalling for who was it that presented yesterday the possibility of included in Disney's buyout of Comcast stake and Hulu merging Comcast? and uh, merging Comcast and ESPN to perhaps bring in a new bidder. Is that what he's saying? Like, hey, the longer we wait, the more the more offers we're going to get. Is that why he's doing it? I don't know. This does feel to me like a stall tactic. The question for me is why is he stalling? Yeah. Uh, that sounds good. That, sound, that, that sounds reasonable. And to me, though, now, like, let's let's spin it to what people actually care about here. What does this mean for the Big Twelve? Yeah, because let's say that let's say your premonition is correct, and that everyone punts for at least this year, which is yeah. entirely reasonable. Yeah, because this is going to be this weird, bizarro, like purgatory year because everyone's just going to be getting through this year. It's like a Big Twelve with Texas and Oklahoma, last year of USC, UCLA, and the Pac twelve. And then next year, it feels like a lot's going to change. Mm-hmm. If indeed they punt, do you think the Pac-12 kind of standing pat, does that motivate the Big 12 to do anything, or do you think they just wait it out again? Oh, I. to me, if I'm a Big 12 president and I'm not adding a – like, just based on what we know they value – I don't see why it would make sense if you're a Big 12 president to add schools that are not going to, that are actually going to decrease the amount of money you're going to make. I know maybe long term it could make sense. But they're just not going to think like that. Yeah, like I just don't see how a university president is going to, hey, the university president's going to go, how am I going to sell this? Well, let's, I hadn't made, I hadn't made this connection until just kind of thinking out loud right now. In my time in this business, 
I have seen one example of schools thinking about the long term. That was when the ACC lost Maryland, mm-hmm. and they panicked, and they decided we got to do what's best long term for this league. And we locked arms. Remember, remember the solidarity? Mm-hmm. Locking arms. The 20-year agreement got the ACC network. This gives us stability yeah. for the future. How long did it take for everyone in the conference to sit there and go, this is the worst deal ever. Yeah. We got to get out of this deal. Well, ESPN didn't trick you into it. You went to them. Mm-hmm. And I think now, I think that's going to motivate people. Like, we're just not going to think about making that type of commitment. We're going to just keep, like, every time a new TV deal comes up, every seven years or whatnot, I think maybe what it will motivate them is to want to have shorter TV contracts. Well, that's, a, that's very clear. That's why the ACC has gotten caught in the pickle it's in, is that they were basically the last to agree to a long-term one, and it was a concession they made in order to get the ACC network right, done. But, and, and the point that I'm making is, look at the mo- now everyone else is doing short-term deals. Like well, the Big Ten deal was like five or six years. But look at the motivation of why the ACC made that deal. The biggest reason they made that deal was they started panicking that when they lost Maryland, like they had well, two, it was they, like they couldn't. They wanted get, to get the they wanted to get the ACC network. The Maryland thing was like longer, t- like that was for the grant of rights. But the the contract with ESPN was all about they could they tried for years to get the ACC network off the ground, and they couldn't do it. And that that's what they needed to do that's in order what, to get I, it off the ground. What I'm saying is the grant of rights, which is the agreement that mm-hmm. was motivated. By yeah, that came in the aftermath of Maryland leaving. Correct. Suddenly. Um, and so, um, yeah, it'll be – like, I just think – I think it's going to be more of a waiting game for Memphis if I – you know, like, ultimately. And that's the that's why it's so hard, this whole process, is that Memphis is at the mercy of so many other people in all of this. They do not control their own destiny whatsoever. The only thing that has my spidey sense up – and I don't even know if this really impacts Memphis – if I can't make two, I can't make heads or tails of the UConn pursuit because, like on the one hand, from a UConn side, it almost feels like it's inevitable. Yet we both agree the Big Twelve is not just going to add UConn as a standalone, right? Like that doesn't seem to be an option. Uh, that would be surprising to me. I suppose there's nothing stopping them from doing that. But to me, like, both things can't really be true, right? Like, it doesn't, it does, I guess they can be true, but it doesn't seem likely to me that both things would be true. That the Big 12 is pumping the brakes on adding and UConn is imminent. Because to me, it's like if you're adding UConn, you're probably bringing somebody else with them. And so that's kind of, to me, like, that's kind of throwing a curveball on me. Yeah. Like I said, I've I've thought for a while that I think we're gonna it's gonna be a we're gonna get a pause, not a stop, a pause almost. Right, like a, and I, I'm a, with you, but I guess my question is like when we saw who was the senator, the senator that was the UConn, Chris Murphy, right? We both interpreted that like, oh, that's like what you say when something is kind of inevitable and it's it's happening. well, it's it's something you say when someone affiliated with UConn tells you it's right. inevitable. And, like, you know, my sense is from reading 
all these. I've never met Brett Yormark. I've only seen what he said, read what he said, and I've watched. Heard, his, I've watched his walk and talks on uh, on social. Yeah, heard people talk to him, whatever. And my gut tells me a lot of this is being driven by him because he is a PR related, agent related dude. And while I think he wants UConn in the Big Twelve, I do not buy that the Big Twelve presidents all want UConn or Memphis. To be quite honest, in the Big Twelve at yeah, this point, I, I'm with you. And you that's know? me. Like that's what it goes back to. What I was saying last week. Like I think they I'm trying think, to determine like what is his role? Is he an agent or is he? Like a unilateral decision maker. Yeah, and so I, you know, and that's why I think ultimately when push comes to shove, everyone's gonna, everyone's gonna stand pat in conference realignment. All right, um, the other college football related story. When we come out of this weekend, it will be. I, I think the Tigers speak on Tuesday at AAC Football Media Day. Um, even though it starts like Monday evening, late afternoon, it feels I, like it's like a welcoming thing. There's right? some sort of like. Did we talk about this? Like, there's, there's like a welcome. Something. Yeah, there's some sort of banquet or something Monday evening. And I bet you there's, like, conference meetings and stuff. Sure. You know, things like that Monday. But t- I think Tuesday is when the coaches and players speak. And S- Ryan Silverfield will be there. I believe they're bringing Seth Hennigan, uh, Jalen Allen, uh, the defensive lineman, yeah. the returning defensive lineman, uh, Jacob Likes, the returning O-lineman, and um, Simeon Blair, the – graduate transfer from Arkansas, I mean, who I believe that, is a Memphis native. It, it seems like, like, I'll say this, that feels like guys that you're counting on to be your leaders. It sounds like it's like his four, his Silverfield's four picks for captains. Yeah. You know, like, um, but, uh, yeah, so you've got, uh, you've got those four going with them, and, you know, it'll be interesting to see where, where does Memphis, I guess, first of all, at, wind up in the preseason poll? Because usually the AAC does it based yeah. on coaches' votes, not media votes. So you're hearing what the coaches seem to think. Um, if you're basing it on the preseason, and, and and it'll be interesting just because, like, you know, it's such a new dynamic with six new teams. Um, but where, you know, where are they going to be picked, you know, in the uh, preseason poll? That'll be a discussion early next week, I would think. Yeah. Seems it, like third or fourth, I would probably. Say it, it feels like. It feels like the top ends three. I don't know. It just depends. Like, do they do they give UTSA a big benefit of the doubt? Do those coaches in the league give you a new team like that a big benefit of the doubt with what they return? Maybe. See, I was wondering if like SMU would get. Yeah, you know, the SMU part will be interesting too, and you know, and then what you know, the the fascinating thing about the the Tiger football season is. Um, this overarching question of like what is a successful Tiger football season because it there's so many factors you could drag into it including what we were just talking about the conference realignment aspect of it like how sure. does it factor into that you know if you had some great season or you had some terrible season how would that would that hurt or help your chances you know like it, your chances of moving on to a different league I don't know um, but then there's also the aspect of you know, Ryan. This is Ryan Silverfield's fourth year. He's, you know, the buyout is not as big as last year. Um, it's obvious to everyone he needs to be better than six and six. Um, but how much better does he need to be? We've talked about it a little bit, but I think it's going to be something that comes into more focus early next week when we, you know, we start hearing from him regularly and hearing from this team regularly and start, 
you know, really considering what's what's ahead this season. Yeah, I think this is a better question because it feels like we've spent a lot of time discussing what is acceptable. Mm-hmm. But I think you're right. The better question is, what is the type of season that regains momentum mm-hmm. and, and makes people excited yeah. and whatnot? And I don't know what that is. And I think that's I think that's that's the more fascinating to me, question. It, to me, it's you. To me, to really truly capture the momentum, don't you think you got to get to the AAC championship game? You got to be that type of team to really yeah. recapture it. Like, yeah, I do. I, I can see you. Like, I if mean, you I compete almost, for I it and fall that, short, maybe. Yeah. Like, I think it also depends on what's the game turn like, out like. Like, can you go into the last game of the season and like it be the type of game where if you win, you're in, and maybe maybe you fall short. But, like, if you get to the end of the season and you're still in the mix to make the title game, is that a success? I, I don't know the answer to that exactly. I mean, I, I suspect nine wins are better. People are going to be happy. I suspect eight wins will be acceptable. And I think under eight, you're going to have grumbling. And, you know, at a certain point, you know, seven feels like it might be enough to keep your job, maybe. Six, maybe, certainly, you know, if you don't make a bowl, like, I would think you're definitely gone. Well, so the- I don't know the answer, though. It's like that's 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 what's so, fa- you know, so interesting to me going into the season, especially because, you know, it's such a pivotal year for the program, it feels like, and yet I feel like I also don't know half the guys who are going to be the – like, I don't know who are going to be the faces of this team other than Seth Hennigan and, you know, maybe Jalen Allen, someone on the defense, but, like, we don't even know who Seth Hennigan's really going to throw to. I think, though, the other complicating factor is – like, it feels like it needs to be a season where you have, like, I don't think people are just going to check in at the end because think about it this way. If you have just kind of a nondescript chunk of the calendar, mm-hmm. well, we've talked about the Tiger basketball schedule. Like, that that kicks off in November. Yeah. And the meat of their schedule in terms of interest and what it's going to say about their regular season and how they're viewed nationally. Now, luckily, they're not going to have to compete with Ja. Correct. They will have to compete with the NBA Correct. Cup, though. They, you got to watch out. <laughs> but, like, you know, if what if the Tigers get off to an unbelievable start in basketball mm-hmm. and then you're sitting there going, they're they're meddling through and all of a sudden they find their, they find themselves in a play-in game like for the, the conference title. Okay, yeah, people are going to watch that, but, like, does that really change? My, my thing is, what is the type of season that makes everyone go, we got it back? Well, and I think, to your point, I do think September might be really important just in the sense that the most eyeballs, especially locally, yeah. will be focused on Memphis football in September. And if you look good in September, like let's say you go out, like to me, it's like, it, it, to me, it probably looks like, I don't, I mean, maybe you could go 4 0, but like it maybe. I think, it's, I think, I think if you look 3 and 1, and you're you in beat comp- Boise at the end of the month at home in a, in a you know, big win type of situation. And I think as long as like you don't look like you just got. Like you can't have the Missouri game look like the first the the part of the Mississippi State game before the rain delay, before the weather delay, where it's just mm-hmm. like, oh, this they're getting steamrolled. Like this doesn't even look like the same. Sport. I mean, frankly, like the last time they played at Missouri, yeah, you know, like four yes. or five years ago, they got steamrolled there uh, as well, and then they ended up going back and winning four in a row to get to the AAC championship game. But um, I'm interested to see hear what what Ryan has to say. Um, at media day and as we approach preseason practice. But ultimately, you know, this is going to be tough for him. I, I think this is going to be a um, – I just think it's going to be tough because ultimately, like, 
job security, you know, you're never like when you're on hot seat lists like he, like he is right now, like you're not on there for long. Either you win and get off or you lose and you get fired. Like it, you don't just stay on hot. Like there's very few guys who can do what like Gus Malzahn pulled off. Yeah. Like that that doesn't happen very often where you're perpetually on hot seat lists. You either play your way, you either win your way off of it, which honestly I think is way less, which happens, which way happens, far less likely, yes. but happens far less than like you ultimately never escape. Once you get on these hot seat lists, it's really hard to get, you know, escape them uh, and be secure ever again. You either have to like, you know, take advantage of it, you know, you, you get off of it briefly and use, use that to get another job before the shark circle again. Or uh, it's tough. It's difficult. And so um, this is a really compelling, I think, Memphis football preseason we've got ahead. And I think it'll really start to get into gear a little bit. It'll come into focus a little more uh, early next week when AAC Media Days happen. Let's talk a little SEC Media Days. They just wrapped up. Uh, Blake Topmeyer was there in Nashville. We'll get his takeaways from uh, the festivities uh, as well as his thoughts on the uh, preseason prediction, the preseason poll in the SEC that was released earlier today. Blake Topmeyer joining us next. You're listening to Giannato and Jeffrey on 92.9 FM ESPN. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. And 
Donato and Jeffrey broadcast live from the Red River Toyota Studios. Check out Red River Toyota in Wynn, Arkansas. This hour of G&J is brought to you by the Next Generation 10G Network, only from Xfinity. The Giannato and Jeffrey Show on 92.9 FM ESPN. Blake Topmeyer is the SEC columnist for the USA Today Sports Network. His podcast is SEC Football Unfiltered. Available each and every week, wherever you find your podcast. He's on Twitter, at B. Topmeyer. Blake, is this the most understated SEC media days you've ever covered? Probably was, yeah. I mean, I think that's partially a byproduct of the event becoming less and less useful to actual members of the media every year. So I think that's that's probably part of it. Um, the event's grown stale. But also, like, um, Nick Saban was, was very understated this year, and that's usually kind of the, one of the big moments of media days is that Wednesday morning because Nick, you know, traditionally has always gone in that 9 a.m. slot on Wednesdays. And that's sort of the, the pinnacle uh, 30 minutes of, of the whole thing. And, and I thought Saban was – you know, pretty reserved, pretty understated this year. I mean, a lot of times he's got some sort of lecture he wants to get across on the stage, but that didn't happen this year. It was honestly, it was more Lane Kiffin doing the lecturing uh, on Thursday than than Saban. And yeah, there just there weren't really a ton of fireworks. And I think that's you know partially due to the evolution of the event and partially due to the changing personalities in the league. Does it also feel like that this? upcoming year is kind of like a weird purgatory type transition year where everyone's basically waiting for next year when Texas and Oklahoma come or when USC UCLA go to the Big Ten where it feels like this is like a get through it year I've been wondering if that's playing any any aspect into this yeah I mean I think I, I agree with your your principle that this is a kind of a purgatory year I don't know how much that affected the drama or lack thereof at media days. Like, I, I don't know that the presence of Brent Venables, um, you know, I mean, maybe Sark, you know, Texas moves the needle quite a bit, but, um, you know, I don't know that having Brent Venables there really changes things. I also think, you know, one other thing I'd say is, you know, historically this event has always been in Hoover, Alabama and, and you know, just outside Birmingham, and they've taken it on the road to Atlanta twice. And now Nashville, and I thought Nashville did a fine job hosting the event, but you really can't match the energy of having that event in what is basically Birmingham. Um, I mean, there's so much media and, like, fringe media that cover college football um, in Alabama that always showed up to that event. I question, you know, whether the same number was there in Nashville. Uh, I don't think you can replicate the fans in the lobby type setup that uh, that the Winfrey Hotel in Birmingham always had. I mean, there were fans sort of milling about a little bit in Nashville, but not in the same volume, not like right in your face as you walk through the door. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think the event will still be pretty stale next year when Oklahoma and Texas are in it, although maybe having it in Dallas, you know, in the first year Texas in the, is in the league will, will help a yeah, little bit. Yeah, come on. It's, everything's bigger in Dallas, right? Well, that's part of the problem is, like, everything else is bigger. And I can say that, you know, I, I've seen that in, in Atlanta and Nashville. Like, Nashville, again, they, they gave it a good effort of, of hosting media days. I thought they were fine. 
But Nashville doesn't need media days. You know, Nashville's got they got you know, bachelorette a, parties to host. They got they got bachelorette parties to host. I mean, they've they've hosted the NFL draft. Like media days is nothing to them. Like to Hoover. Media Days was their Super Bowl. Well, and um, wasn't there like a lot of construction around whatever hotel they were using too? So there it's hard was, to get it was to. Very difficult to get to. Um, which you know, I think for media, like once you figured out how to get there once, like you were fine. And I stayed at the hotel, so it wasn't a big deal. Once you were there, you know, you're kind of there. But like if you're a fan, not staying at the hotel, trying to gather in the lobby, which is what a lot of fans did in in, in Birmingham. Um, you know, you would have never even figured out how to get in, get to the hotel, how to get parked, how to get get there. I mean, you know, Broadway was under construction. So I, I thought the event was better in Nashville than it was in Atlanta. Atlanta was kind of a joke, frankly. Um, but it just doesn't match, um, you know, the, what, what they had going there in, in Hoover. And I, and I really don't understand why the SEC thought they needed to take this event on the road. I mean, it's not the draft. It's not a game. Um, you know, it's, I don't know. It's just strange. I mean, is this something people really cared about where it was going to go year to year? Like I'm they convinced had a good thing going in Birmingham. I'm convinced that they're the league is very sensitive to the Auburn or the Alabama and Auburn conspiracies that the league's out to, you know, prop them up. And so they they I feel like sometimes like they go out of their way to kind of combat isn't that. It, isn't it they make more money cuz they can bid it out? I mean the wind. I, I mean, mean does anyone pay more than the Winfrey? Because like the Winfrey like would open the red carpet to them. Yeah, I I, I don't know that there's a huge revenue stream here of like cities getting in bidding wars uh, for for media days. Uh, it's just again. Well, it's I also just, it's, it's media day. You want to bring it around to your different constituents. You know, it's not you know it's not just Alabamians. Yeah, but their number I think is really going to be hurt next year when it's in Dallas. Uh, I mean that is not the epicenter of the sec i understand the footprint grows but uh i mean i've been even thinking to myself like am i going to go next year i mean that's a long ways down the road and that's for the company to decide but um you know am i going to travel from where i'm holed up in east tennessee uh, well, i will be to dallas to, to cover an event you can basically cover by watching on tv at this point well and i will be honest i have always found media days to be draining not really as useful as they should be. Like as a as a report, even back you know ten fifteen years ago when I was first started covering college sports, like I just always found them overwhelming and like no one was really get you weren't really getting any you got very real very few real moments anyways because everyone was you know on their best behavior because there was media crawling all over the place. Yeah, um, I think that's true. I, I think it's gotten worse though as this has become like a televised infomercial yeah. for the conference. And it used to be like if you said something like borderline salacious, like yeah, it might end up in the headlines, make, might make the rounds. But now they're going to play it on the SEC network. They're going to play it on ESPN. Um, you know, not only live, but then it's going to replay over and over. And so, you know, really what coaches have come to do is one of three things. They either, A, filibuster with like a 20-minute opening statement um, so they don't have to take hardly any questions. Drinkwitz? Drinkwitz. Kirby Smart had a long filibuster as well. Uh, Shane Beamer, a couple others. Um, Option two is you get up there and you tell a bunch of corny jokes. Um, Option, which there wasn't a ton of that this year, uh, wasn't a ton of attempts to be funny. Uh, Option three is you use it as like a recruiting sales pitch. 
um, you know, to, it's not like, I don't think a bunch of teenagers are sitting at home watching this on TV, but the social media clips, you know, uh, might make their way in, in front of the eyeballs of some recruits. So what would know, coach, really what would coach Topmeyer do? What would coach Topmeyer do? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I might actually go old school and like, uh, take a bunch of questions about football and I was, else. I was literally, I think what I would say is I think I'd get to the podium and go questions. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's what Mike Leach did, right? Yeah. I mean, I think he had like a seven-word opening statement last year and 30 minutes of questions, which is what the media wants. Like, yes. we all drone out in, in, in that room during the opening statement because there's never anything of relevance said. It's just a, it's just a stall tactic. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. At the end of the day, I'm getting paid to sit in a hotel conference room and listen to uh, guys talk at a podium. But I will say, like um, – you know, we we had a lot of conversations around the time of SEC spring meetings and actual news was happening then. That's where the SEC decided the format of its 2024 schedule. Um, to a lesser extent, there was some news on, like, the field storming front. And also, you know, you get so much more small audience with coaches, athletic directors, Greg Sankey. I mean, there's only about 50 reporters credentialed for that event. TV stations are not there. Um you know, over the years, that event has just become, I guess, more and more valuable. And, and they're you're at, they're at the beach. They're more relaxed. Like the thing about media days is it's now like a corporate. It feels like a function, yes. and so they're more literally they're more buttoned up. Yeah, media days is an event for the SEC network. It's it's four hours. Well, it's not four hours. Uh, it's all day programming, I should say. Feinbaum shows four hours, but the programming is all day. It's four days of all day programming for the SEC network at a time in the sports calendar when there's really nothing for the SEC network to put on other than reruns of old games and and Feinbaum show. Um, So it's four days of programming for them. Spring meetings. That's not what it is. Like it's, it's not television programming. It's, it's actual meetings, you know, coaches and ADs and other administrators getting together for meetings. Um, And then, you know, most of them are gracious enough to do, you know, 20 minutes of media availability, a pop. Um, and it's, so it's, it's really very valuable uh, for media members. And I think it's pretty informative for fans, too. Like, I think fans have learned over the years, um, like ones that are really plugged into the sport, that media days is when, or, or excuse me, spring meetings is where a lot of news um, kind of trickles out. And I think fans have also learned that media days is sort of a joke. I mean, we had a guy, and, and you guys have read this. I'm sure everyone's seen it. We had a, a, a young television reporter yesterday uh, telling Lane that he was his doppelganger and asking Lane if he agreed. Never mind that this young lad didn't look really much like <laughs> Kiffin at all. <laughs> uh, Who looks more like just, Kiffin, uh, Daniel Tosh or this guy? I, Tosh, I would say. Like, this guy didn't really look like Kiffin at all. Um, I mean, maybe Kiffin 25 years ago, if you squint, like maybe he mm-hmm. kind of looked like a 22-year-old I Lane did appreciate What do we think about what did we think about Lane's look? The the over tan, and then like he looked like he looked like you know he so looked I, like he had just had a, like a bunch of beers on the beach. Like I had to explain to him that yeah, Lane is the head coach at Ole Miss, but he basically spends like half his year at Boca, and that that yeah. was that was fresh off the boat, Lane. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it looked like he was on the yacht uh, about three hours before he he arrived. Um, and I've uh, I did not sit down with Lane this year but i've sat down with him in june the past two years and i can say that yeah that is pretty much lane's everyday summertime look uh i mean he's got the hair flying everywhere 
Uh, he's got the deep tan going, and and yeah, he looks like, uh, you know, what he really looks like is that you're you're down vacationing on the Gulf, and you're going to connect with a deep sea fishing mm, guy. Yeah, you're yeah. going on the you're going on the whatever the expedition. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're yeah. going on the excursion. Yeah, yeah, some grouper and some snapper. Out <laughs> there. You need the local to <laughs> take you out. That's the guy driving uh, your boat out. Yeah, there. it's like yeah, my name's Lane. Moved down here 25 years ago for a girl. Yeah. yeah, ended up staying around. He uh, doesn't <laughs> doesn't wear a watch anymore. You know what I mean? He's he's right. he's on he's on golf time, yeah. if you will. <laughs> um, well, I, I'm curious, uh, Bla- uh, Blake. It one it, so obviously nothing from uh, media days necessarily changed how you were thinking about the SEC this season. But today, the preseason poll came out. Um, Georgia picked to win the SEC. Um, Alabama picked to win the West. Um, LSU right behind them, though. Um, any surprises, snubs? I mean, Van Vanderbilt got as many. Vanderbilt is uh, according to this one, two, three, tied for the fourth most likely to win the SEC title again, uh, according to the preseason poll. Who pulled funny business and uh, picked Vandy to win the SEC title? Yeah, the only surprise in this poll was probably how many people could take take this just completely unseriously. I mean, I'm not saying it's uh, you know in the, in the general election or something that you really need to put a lot of thought into your your ballot. But uh, I mean, hey, like if you're going to bother to vote, uh, at least maybe put five minutes into the thing. But yes, five individuals. Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.